0: You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church weekly podcast. Thanks Olaf. How's everyone doing? That's good to hear that about 10 people are okay. Hopefully by the end of the service, it'll be 100%. How's that? Just as we were worshipping and um, I was thinking about my preach, as you do, um, I just was reminded of um, uh, Joshua when they were approaching Jericho. And um, he looked up and he saw, this is from Joshua 5, chapter 13. And he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as the command of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And, you know, we get so caught up with political parties and obviously it's been a change of government. We get caught up with the things of man. We get caught up with the issues with each other. Our hearts should be, you know, God doesn't care about that right now. He cares about the message he wants to give you. So can I pray for us this morning? Father, I just pray according to what you want to deliver this morning. Father, I pray that you would help me to linger on the places you want me to linger, to skip past that you want me to skip past. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that we would be deeply touched by your word here today, that we would go from glory to glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so continuing on with the theme of the church that Jesus is building today i 'm going to be speaking about relationships, and I read this uh, uh, recently. It says life is not about achievements it 's not about accomplishments life is about relationships and i 've done two minutes already i don 't think that 's true but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, and, the, and the truth is if you you know the people that are on their deathbed they don 't you know they 're not concerned about they should have earned another extra million or, you know, their their dying concerns is generally, I haven't invested enough into my relationships. And the simple definition of the word relationship is the way in which two or more people or things are connected or being in a state of being connected. Can you all do that? Thank you. (laughs) There's a little joke behind that, but anyway, I won't share that right now. (laughs) So relationship is all about being connected. And there's different types of relationship. There's work, church, family, friendship relationships. There's discipleship relationships. There's relationships at your place of study. There's dating and marriage relationships. And there's the most important relationship, which is between you and the Lord. And so we're all connected in some way or other to people around us. I mean, that's just a fact, right? Uh, And being connected in good, healthy relationship is important for many reasons, They provide us with a sense of connection, purpose, support, and ultimately, they say overall better health and longevity. So you wanna be connected, right? There have been studies done that they say people who have fulfilling relationships with families, friends, and community members are happier, have fewer health issues, and live longer. Who wants to live longer? I wanna live longer. So people thrive. Thanks, Bethany, I like that laugh. (laughs) People thrive when these connections exist it's very difficult for people to flourish in isolation. But you know, sometimes people withdraw from relationships because of hurts and various struggles that they face. But can I say this? There's an age-old, time tested strategy of the enemy, which is to divide and conquer, and to make you feel isolated and disconnected. So being isolated and disconnected, unfortunately, is a growing trend in the world today. And I don't think COVID was particularly helpful with this particular issue. But the good news is, I love the good news, that the Bible is full of truth and wisdom of how we can live in unity with Him and with each other in meaningful relationships. And I love the way, you know, the first book of the Bible talks about relationships. Isn't that amazing? God is all about relationships. We look in Genesis chapter one, the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in creation. And you might say to me, if you've read Genesis, say, so hang on a second, I don't see Jesus. Where's Jesus in, in, in the book of Genesis? And that's a great question because you, know, you have to look a little bit deeper. But John 1, it's the New Testament, John 1 uh, verses one to three explains this about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, which kind of like settles the fact that Jesus was there. So in in Genesis one, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the formless world and the Father speaking out, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be light, let there be creatures in the sea, let there be living creatures on the land, and creation begins. I would have loved to have been there. The Father is speaking out the living word, which is Jesus. He's speaking as he creates, let there be. And Jesus is inhabiting the words of the Father. It's a beautiful picture. I don't know why I get emotional, but it's just a beautiful picture. The Holy Spirit is, is hovering, bustling with infinite energy and power to fulfill the word That the Father speaks and begins to create at His command. And I just want to say today, when you pray, when you pray according to God's plans and purposes, the Holy Spirit is hovering with power to accomplish those things. The beautiful thing is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit completely in sync with each other. One heart, one mind, and common purpose. You know, imagine if the Holy Spirit said, nah, I'm not feeling it today, Father. I'm not gonna do this today. And and Jesus says, I'm not gonna give the words that you you need to do creation. No, they're in perfect relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in perfect unity. So much so that the three are one. Each one preferring and honoring the other and working together, perfectly complementing one another without competing against each other. Isn't this a wonderful example for us? See, I believe God's intention for mankind is to function in the same way as the Godhead, by being connected in harmonious, honoring and unifying relationships. So this is the first relationship we see in the Bible. The second relationship we see is between God and man, between God and Adam. In Genesis 1:26, the Father says to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, let us make man in our image. God creates Adam from the dust of the earth, And then through an intimate face-to-face moment, he breathes life into Adam. And we see the start of a relationship between God and man. The third relationship we see is when God says in Genesis 2.18, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. And man goes, Yay! I'm looking forward to this. (laughs) So everything God had done up until that point of creation, God said it was good. But it was not good for man to be alone. So God creates another person so that Adam wouldn't be alone anymore. He creates Eve, and she forms a relationship with Adam. And so we can establish from all of this that God's intention for mankind is to be in relationships. And I'm not just speaking about dating and marriage, but of course that's included. And that wanting to be, for us to be, wanting to be connected is a very deep God-given desire in each and every one of us. So... All of this simply tells me that God created uh, us for relationships with each other, and He created us for relationships with Him. Unfortunately, only a a chapter later, after Eve is is created, I'm not blaming Eve, but just uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, she's she's created in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, we see the first relationship breakup. The breakup is orchestrated by the devil when he deceives Adam and Eve and their relationship with God is severed. And can I say this and stress it emphatically? It's a double double emphasis. God godly relationships are a prime target for the enemy. The reason they are a prime target is the devil knows that godly relationships are a big threat to him, especially in the church context. There is nothing more powerful Then a community of believers worshiping God together with one heart, one mind, and common purpose kind of sounds a little familiar. One heart, one mind, common purpose. You know, when that exists, there's a bigness about these people. This is how we know there's unity. Disunity always creates a smallness in people because it disconnects. And it reduces, whereas unity enlarges and increases. There is such power and strength that exists when we are in unity with each other and that we're in unity with God. And the enemy fears and hates this. Jesus says in Luke 17:21, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, there's such a powerful witness to the world when the church is in unity. There's such a bad thing released when the church is in discord and disunity. So in addition to relationships being a prime target for the enemy, relationships are also difficult and messy. And sometimes, you know, we don't even need the devil's help in destroying our relationships. We do that all on our own. But what you can be sure of is that the enemy is there waiting to pounce. Scripture says he he prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour Relationships are difficult people get hurt by other people and because of insecurities hurt and pain Relationships deteriorate and become dysfunctional to some degree or another unless they are addressed and When that happens our connections with each other become weak and superficial and the power of good relationships is lost We become disconnected and isolated and we open ourselves up for an onslaught from the enemy. I truly believe that I read this quote the other day about insecurities. This is from the, Psychological, the psychology journal. Most of us feel insecure sometimes. That's true for me, and I'm sure it's true for you. But some of us feel insecure most of the time. The kind of childhood you had, past traumas, recent experiences, of failure or rejection, loneliness, social anxiety, negative beliefs about yourself, perfectionism, or having a critical parent or partner can contribute to all to your insecurity, the problem with that is that the way we feel or the way we, we view ourselves will impact how we are able to connect with others. And there's also this, this Hollywood notion, you know, especially when it comes to romantic relationships, that there is someone out there that will complete you, you know? Isn't that true? It's from a movie. I think it's Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise says it to whoever. says, you complete me. And and there's a problem with that, though, because it implies that that, that you're incomplete in some way. And so firstly, this is a lie, and secondly, if you believe this, then you will take your incompleteness, your brokenness to a relationship that is also broken, and it is a recipe for disaster. It's like taking two broken cups and saying, well, now I've got one whole cup. No, it just doesn't work. You see, through Jesus, God has enabled us to be completely whole, Completely healed and completely restored, and this is the ongoing work of salvation. It's so important to find your healing and completeness in God before trying to find it in a relationship. Can I say that to you today? Although, I would also prefix it by saying that God can use people to bring you healing. So, just hold those two in tension. But there are, there are some relational hurdles that people encounter that causes relationships to fail. And some of the main reasons, they say, are unmet expectations and, and inability to resolve conflict and poor communications. So let's talk about expectations first of all. Unmet expectations is the breeding grounds for offense. The problem is when we expect one thing and there's a different outcome, we become disappointed. Think of a a recent time when you became frustrated, angry, or disappointed with someone. This could be uh, with a romantic partner, a friend, a family member, or even the Lord. What caused the upset? Did they leave the dirty dishes in the sink? That wasn't the Lord, that was the devil. It happens in our household, we blame the devil all the time. (laughs) (laughs) The devil's been here again, look at this sink. Anyway, it's not him, it's somebody else, right? (laughs) Did they not respond to the email or text that you sent them? Did they not invite you to go out last weekend? (laughs) Or have you been expecting something from the Lord that hasn't happened yet? The anger, frustration, hurt, or disappointment you feel is because you expected something you wanted, but it never happened. So, an example would be um, you want to catch up with somebody at a particular time, you arrange it, but there's, there's a no show. So, what's your first reaction? You get angry. Like, they just don't honor me enough to keep this arrangement. You know, I mean, I think that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. They just they don't honor me enough. <laughs> And you know, this kind of thinking will challenge the relationship. Yeah. Are you disappointed because you were really looking forward to seeing them? I don't know, but either way you can resolve this issue by communicating with the other person to find out what happened. You know, it could have, you, you, you mustn't always jump to the, the worst possible conclusion. It, they, there could have been an emergency that they didn't have time to let you know. I mean, we, we, we gotta assume the best, right? What about expecting something from the Lord that hasn't happened yet? You feel disappointed, you feel let down and you begin to have doubts about your relationship with the Lord. You begin to have these thoughts, is this relationship real? Lord, have you rejected me? Am I not worthy of a response from you? I'm not feeling emotional for myself, but I feel emotional for some of you. And I felt the Lord, I, I brought this to the Lord. And I felt the Lord say to these people, speak to him. You see, when you begin to speak to the Lord, <laughs> as if he's a person right next to you, it makes it real and personal. Yeah. Speak to him in a true and honest way. Be vulnerable. Bear your hearts. Bear your hearts. Sorry, that didn't come out. <laughs> he reminded us, he reminded me, he's our loving father who knows what good things to give those who ask him. And Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must A, believe that he exists and B, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you find yourself in that place today, I would say, consider your desires that you're bringing to him. Does it line up with scripture? Speak truth to yourself. When we remember God's promises to us from his word, It encourages us to persevere. Can I encourage you this morning to persevere? Rest in him, and you need to rest in him because at the end of the day, it really isn't all up to you. It is up to him. But the main thing with expectations is we need to talk about it, whether we talk about it to the Lord or whether we talk about it between ourselves. And once we've talked about it, especially when it comes to relating to people, we can work out if our expectations are reasonable or unreasonable. You know, I was thinking about punctuality the other day. I know Paul loves to be punctual. I love to be punctual. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but be on time. (laughs) Anyway, so my thoughts then turned (laughs) To consider, amen. We've got another punctuality brother in the house. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but then my thoughts turned to consider the timing of the Lord. And I thought to myself, Lord, there are so many times it looks like that you are late. But then I felt the Holy Spirit say, his timing is perfect. <laughs> Very good. To us, it seems late because it's the 11th hour that breakthrough or answers to prayer comes. But to God, his timing is perfect because there is always a purpose to the timing. It may be to deepen our faith. It may be because he's setting up some circumstances or there may just simply be a reason that you'll never understand, but there is always a reason. There's always purpose. He is not limited, nor does he have to work according to our expectations. And that's why we need to rest in and trust his ultimate wisdom. But with somebody, you know, that you're catching up with, you can talk to them. <laughs> 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 you can talk to the Lord as well, but anyway. Um, well, that sort of brings us on to the next point, communication. Communication is one, obviously one of the key elements of our relationship. And I love what Elodie did this morning about, you know, when you're talking, somebody comes and you pivot to, you know, welcome into your, your conversation circle. I love that. But words are not the only things we use to communicate. Our attitude and our body language towards people is also a form of communication. And so when you're pivoting, you are warm and embracing, right? It's true. You know, you, you pivot, you say, you welcome welcoming you're warm and embracing. But in our communication, are we sincere and genuine? Are we loving and accepting? Do we really think the best of people or are we critical and suspicious? Or even worse, do we speak badly of people when they're not around? The thing is, people pick up the way you feel about them, they pick up your heart. And what is in your heart will be either a relational amplifier or a relational blocker. And so I want to say to you today, if you have negative feelings towards a person, ask the Lord to help you to love this person. I've done that before. And I was surprised, honestly, how much love God gave me for that person. He can do it it for me, he can do it for you. So Louise and I had a a session with the young adults the other other few weeks ago on the topic of relationships. And uh, one of the aspects we covered was the value of being vulnerable in our relationship, so we can strengthen our connections. very important that you can be vulnerable. I was saying with them, before you share your heart, though, like, you know, the scripture says, confess your sins one to another. There's something of being transparent with each other. It's very healing, it's very powerful. But before you share your heart with somebody, make sure you can trust them. You can't just assume, you know, because we hear that you can trust that person, which which is sad, but it's true. We're all on a journey, right? And so, um, you know, there might be some deep stuff that you're dealing with. And, uh, and so one of the people said, asked this question, I said, how, how do we know who we can trust? Well, that's a great question. Because you don't want to share the deep things of your heart for that to be used against you to hurt you, you know? Uh, and I said, it was like a moment of revelation, the Holy Spirit just dropped it into my spirit. I said, listen to how others speak when they are not around. If it is honoring and loving, then most likely it would be safe to share with your, your heart with that person. But if it, is, if it is dishonoring and critical, then I personally wouldn't be sharing my heart with them. But can I also say, little asterisk there, that we can't live in a cancel culture either. You know, because we're all on a journey and God is taking each one of us from glory to glory. So if 10 years ago... You know, Michaela, who would never say a horrible word about anybody, but if she said, oh, you know, and you know, overheard, you know, mark this, mark that, then I write her off. I'll never share my heart with her. Yeah, that's not the right thing either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We've got we to gotta give the Holy Spirit credit to work in our hearts. Okay? But make it, your, make it a point in your own life not to, you know, speak badly about people when they're not there. You see... Love, and I love this, it was actually in one of the songs today, love is foundational in the church Jesus is building. It is the glue, it is the glue that holds us together, Matt. It's the glue that holds us together. <laughs> and so the disciples asked Jesus, they said, what's, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says in Matthew 22:36 36 to 39, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we can't truly love people and then constantly be critical and dishonoring of them. Also, you can't truly love God if you don't love the people that God has placed around you. What happens vertically needs to translate into what's happened horizontally. Romans 12.10 says that we should be devoted to one another in love. And to honor one another above yourselves. You know, when Louise and I first got married, we would spar with our words. It wasn't MMA style, but we would spar with our words and we weren't very encouraging and, we, and our communication was actually quite destructive. And the question we had to ask each other, are we building each other up or are we tearing each other down? And we soon realized that in order for this relationship to work, we needed to change. You know, and it's, it's painful to be confronted with your shortcomings, and to realize that you actually do need to change. But that's the power of relationships, especially when you spend a lot of time together. I mean, you could hang out by yourself and think, i got no issues. <laughs> and yeah, I'm perfect. And you are perfect because there's nobody around there to show you who you are. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so another person sharpens another. And actually, Olaf mentioned that this morning. Can I say this as well? Changing requires a soft and willing heart and a desire to respond to godliness. I heard someone say this about the marriage relationship. For all you singles who want to get married, listen, make a note, write it down. The primary purpose of marriage is not to make you happy, but to make you holy. I've learned so much over the years, 30 plus years of being married to my wife. God has used Louise to shape the person that I am today and I'm sure he's used me to shape her. One of the things that I have learned is the importance of not jumping to conclusions. It's always better to try and pick up what's in a person's heart. And I I read this account of a dialogue between a married couple. Wifey asks husband, how does he see her in their relationship. And the husband replies, he, says, he sees her as critical. So wife wants to react and bite his head off, but instead she bites her tongue and asks her husband to explain. He says, I was thinking of, of you the other day, and I thought if she died, it would be such a loss because she's so critical to his life. <laughs> Don't assume in communication, rather become attuned which means simply tune in, pay attention, ask questions, be curious rather than critical, be open and accommodating. The Bible says in James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Always listen before speaking. This is the key to diffusing conflict. And also the reality in, in every re- relationship, there's a certain level of decoding that's required. And this especially comes when it, between men and women. They speak the same words, but they mean different things. For example, for example, uh, when a woman says she has nothing to wear. <laughs> I have nothing to wear. And I look at Louise's wardrobe, it's encroaching on mine, mine's becoming smaller and smaller. <laughs> nothing to wear. I don't understand. What she actually means, I'm gonna interpret for you today, She has nothing new to wear. If a man says he has nothing to wear, he means he has nothing clean to wear. (laughs) Also, I mean, that's a bit of fun, but also, it's true, but it's fun. Men are motivated by honor. When men are treated justly and honored, they will gladly serve. When men feel they are being treated unfairly and in a dishonoring way, they will lose heart every time. This means if you want the best out of a man, you should treat him in an honoring and respectful way. Women also need to be honored and respected, but they're motivated by love. And I thought the panel on Mother's Day was excellent where they shared about unconditional love was so good, but it brought to home that inherent, the inherent love that women have in their hearts God has made women to be motivated by uh, by love, not by men, sorry. (laughs) I know, the Freudian slip there. (laughs) God made women to be motivated by love and men to be motivated by honor and respect. And that's in Ephesians 5. I don't have time to talk about that right now, but it's in the Bible. I'll tell you if you ask me. So the love language of a man is honor and respect and the love language of a woman is to know that she's loved unconditionally. In your marriages, husbands, speak kindly and tenderly with your wives and daughters. Let them know regularly that you love them. Not that you may, I said I loved you when I got married and that's good enough because it hasn't changed. Let them know that you're willing to serve them, not lip service. And that you're prepared to lay down your life for them. And some women are thinking, I wish he would lay his life down for me. (laughs) And wives... Speak in honoring and respectful way to your husbands and sons and watch how they will serve you and love you. It is important to understand that we have different lenses of communicating. Conflict resolution. I'll do this very shortly because I'm out of time. How, it doesn't matter how good your relationships are, conflicts will happen. What do you do? Why, why are conflicts so often Unresolved. And the problem is, when you leave conflict unresolved, that relationship will ultimately fail. Relationships matter, they are important, and it's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. And the one thing that prevents us, one of the main things that prevents us from resolving conflict is fear, a deep level of fear. Fear of confrontation, fear of being rejected, fear of revealing our hearts, and so on but the Holy Spirit can help us overcome fear because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, perfect love casts out all fear. We can ask him to help us in these difficult situations. When there is a conflict, we should be discerning whether this is a misunderstanding. Is pride involved? So often it is. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride only breeds quarrels. Is it something I need to sort out with myself? Or is this spiritual? Is this the devil somehow involved here? And honestly, there have been times where I've had a desire in my heart to reconcile with, with a person, but it hasn't been enough. I've had to fast and pray for the breakthrough to come. And this is, this is an important thing for the church. Um, resolving relational issues is a higher priority for God than worship. And you say to yourself, hang on a second, hang on. Oh, let me explain. The Bible says in Matthew 5.23... So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother, and I wanna say sister or another person, has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You leave your gift because the assumption is that you go and do business with your, your friend, your colleague, your brother, whatever, and you'll come back and you'll offer your gift. But if you don't come back, then the church will gladly receive your gift anyway. The point is, <laughs> you do business with your brother or friend or whatever, and then you come and worship God. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who travel together to church, have you ever had an argument in the car on the way? I've never? Never. Because <laughs> <Never. laughs> you've got two different cars, that's why. <laughs> you sorted that out. <laughs> We lived in Sydney some time ago and we were part of a leadership team at that church. And one day Louise and I had heated fellowship. <laughs> it was very heated, but not in a good way. <laughs> but there was an ex- expectation for us to be at the meeting on time. And so we could have just, you know, slammed the doors and, hi, ah, how's it going? All good? Yeah, I got my mask on. I'm all happy. Yes, it's good. Yeah, how are you fine? Fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but you know, you, 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 if you don't resolve your issue, it's like a, a sore that gets infected, and it festers, becomes inflamed. It's horrible. Anyway, so we talked through the issue, forgave each other, kiss, kiss, love, love, and then we went on to the meeting. And so the person who's leading the meeting said to me, "Um, you know, very disappointed you were late. So I said, I'm sorry, I really am sorry, but you know, at that point, it was my highest priority. I I said it with a clear conscience because I was really convicted that we had to sort this thing out. And I also pointed out that this was an exception to our track record because generally we were on time. (laughs) So I mean, if you're coming to church every week and you're late, you say, oh, relational conflict, then can I suggest maybe you need some more help from somebody else? I'm just saying. Can I encourage you? I've written this in bold. Resolve your relational issues before you worship God. The problem with trying to enter into worship without resolving these issues first is that there's a blocker there. God doesn't actually want to hear you right now. He wants you to make it right on the horizontal before you try and enter on the vertical. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I'll end with this, and then I've got just a couple of responses, okay? Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So as a, as a response, I felt the Lord highlight two things in particular. Uh, The one was, I had the sense that people were feeling isolated and disconnected. And I felt the Lord say that he left the 99 sheep so that he could bring the one into the fold. And he's inviting you today to connect with him and to connect with other believers. He wants to bring you into a community of believers. And the second thing that I felt, uh, some people need to forgive someone They've carried offences in their hearts. And I feel the Lord say today, forgive and let go. So I'll end with that. I'll hand over to Olaf, and you can go from there, Olaf. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.